Hello, pastors, and welcome. Welcome to episode 346 of the 200 Churches Podcast. the 200 Churches Podcast. We produce a legit episode of ministry encouragement for pastors of small churches. Now, here are two guys who have been encouraging thousands of pastors all around the world, good friends, pastors, and podcast partners, Jeff and Johnny. This is the 200 Churches Podcast. My name is Johnny Craig, and I am here in the digital studio with my good friend, my mentor, and my colleague. Uh, Johnny, I'm the only one here. Who are you talking about? <laughs> Jeff Katie. Hey, you said the digital studio. Wait a minute. Everybody's in a digital studio That's now. That's true. I, this is, it's us and the whole world. That's everybody. It's funny. We're, we've been invaded. Everybody who's saying like, now's the time to start a podcast. No, suckers. Seven years ago was the time to start a podcast. Come on. That's come when on. we Give some it. hope. Come on. Give some hope. All right. Here's the hope. You could probably start a podcast and in two weeks have a bigger audience than we have. How's that for help? There you go. There you go. Bang, boom. Yep. That, that's it right there. Johnny, good to see you. I had no idea we were going to talk tonight. I know. You texted and I was in the midst of some bread making, but I thought I can I can tear myself away from this to talk to Jeff. Johnny, I told you this afternoon I finished my semester's worth of coursework. I turned into my last three papers today. They're done. I was free Incredible. to produce a podcast tonight. Incredible. I wish uh, that I was half the student you are. I have so much work looming over my head like a like an axe about to drop by the executioner. So good That you. was me two weeks ago, yeah. my friend. There you go. That was me two weeks ago. So actually, I was surprised at how quickly I could actually do it. And without, and I did just throw it together. You know, I did a pretty decent job on it, yeah. but did two weeks. So You're the man. To finish. I mean, I, I'd been working on it. So, you know, it's like a message, right? Yeah, sure. You work on it. You work on it for days and days and days. And then in the last 30 hours, you basically put the whole thing together. Yeah. At least that's me. I don't know about everybody else, but that's me. I know what you're talking about, for sure. How's the family? Family's doing good, man. Yeah, we're, uh, we're the weather's warming up where we are. And so, you know, somebody's probably going to listen to this in three years. And this, this will all sound crazy. But... Um, we don't go anywhere. We don't do anything. We take walks. And so when the weather gets warm, we can take our walks without risk of exposure. And it's all good. We're doing okay yes. here, man. How about you guys? How are you and Debbie doing? Yeah, same with us. Same with us. You know, after a while, you kind of get used to the new normal. Yeah. Yeah. So three weeks ago, I think it was three weeks ago, yeah. I recorded with uh, the master of small church disaster, Dave Jacobs mm. from smallchurchpastor.com man. and the Small Church Pastor group on Facebook and Johnny the author of the Second Thoughts book. Yeah. Do you have the do you have the byline of Second Thoughts? I sure do. It's, it's like second, it's like like 100 something. Second Thoughts 100 things that small church pastors should reconsider. Reconsiderations. Reconsiderations. 100 things small church pastors need to reconsider. That's quite a that's quite a a claim that Dave is making here that there's 100 things that we need to reconsider. You know we're we're, we're recording this intro and I I have the book. I have it here. Yeah. It's at my house. That's great. But but I don't have it in front of me. <laughs> and I've I've probably looked through 20 ways okay. so far. And just a lot of you know if you're looking for something to ignite some thinking and creativity yeah. in you this is definitely the book. And and this guy's been working with small church pastors for 13 years now, wow. coaching week in and week out pastors on the phone for hours every day. So he has helped pastors reconsider some of these 100 things already, I'm sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Pulling the strings. Pulling the strings on small church pastors for 13 years. Pulling the strings. Dr. Dave Jacobs. Yes. <laughs> Well, so what do you think, Johnny? Should should we should we get to it or absolutely? Go ahead, that's what I was literally. Thought. I was just about to say. Well, every time we have Dave on, it's a treat. Um, I'm so it grateful. Is. I was actually just thinking about when Dave came to visit, and we sat in the conference room at my church, and we talked. Uh, 
And we did like two. We tried to do five episodes. We ended up doing two because we just kept on laughing and having a good time. I think we did three. I think we got three done. Okay. Well, it was under whatever. But we, we laughed like junior hires. Exactly right. And it's just like so much joy. So, Dave, if you're listening to this, uh, I'm sorry I missed the conversation, but just the idea that I will get to listen to this episode tomorrow and enjoy your voice uh, is good enough for me. So, so Jeff, as Carrie Newhoff would say, without further ado... No! <laughs> my heart. My heart. <laughs> Let's get it uh, with Dave Jacobs. Dave Jacobs, good to have you back on the 200 Churches Podcast. Welcome. Hey, it's good to be back. Boy, it's been a long time since you've had me on. Did I do something originally that uh, made you mad or something? (laughs) Well, if you did it originally, that was almost 30 episodes ago. So probably not originally, but lately, uh, I'm not sure. (laughs) Um, You you and I have actually been talking. That's right. um, Quite a bit. Yeah. Quite a bit. Yeah on our monthly calls and then lately you're helping me with another project i'm working on so we're talking a little more often and it's fun and And i like what we've been talking about we've been uh, focusing on soul care and stuff like that and we've had some really great phone calls it's been good and this this has been just a little deeper than what we've done before so i've i've benefited from it it's been it's been great are and you are you saying that previous phone calls have been relatively shallow is that what you're saying or <laughs> i think it's the me. weekly repetition i think it's the weekly repetition <laughs> i don't know enough things to be anything but repetitious you know <laughs> well no i mean the repetition of the phone calls those weekly phone oh, calls they stack I see. they stack on each other and that and two this is a little more serious i've got a little more skin in the game in this situation and i'm learning that when you have skin in the game dave you you tend to uh perform at a higher level it's true no i'm so, i'm talking about my side of it yeah. right so so that's been good that's been good and we've we i ask you often yeah about being on the podcast you do for various for various reasons it doesn't come about for some of the same reasons why we haven't had an episode come out in a while um but uh we talked about it recently and then also you've got a new book that has just recently come out i do i'm having second thoughts about that book though dave that would be a great name for a book no oh wait that is what i called my book (laughs) I see what so, you did there. Yeah, so second second thoughts, uh, 100 things small church pastors need to reconsider. Yes. And as I was looking at the table of contents, you know, we just got on the line, and I said, Dave, have I bought this book yet? Yeah. And I went on at my Amazon account, and I hadn't b- bought it yet, so I just purchased it. Nice. And I'm scrolling through the. Uh, you can actually go on Amazon and you can click on the you know look inside yeah, yeah. Uh, thing and you can you can see every one of the 100 chapters in this book, which is really helpful. And as you go through these chapters, you've got uh, well, here's one number 78, <laughs> reconsideration number 78. Okay. Reconsider how you communicate with your church. Okay. That that sounds like something good. Here's another one. Reconsider multiple services. Oh boy. Now, I don't know. I don't know, you know, which side you're asking us to reconsider on. Um, and then reconsider how you recruit leaders, reconsider church boards, reconsider your focus, and then finally uh, reconsider how you will deal with those common people problems. Hmm. That does sound uh, recons- good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So just a lot of a lot of good stuff in here, and a hundred chapters. They've got to be relatively short they are, chapters. They are, you know, but they're thought provoking. Pages usually one. So a lot of reconsiderations here, Dave, in this book. So I want to encourage uh, my listeners to go to that book, Second Thoughts: One Hundred Things uh, Small Church Pastors Should Reconsider. And Dave, you talk to pastors 
every just about virtually every day. Yeah. Correct? Yeah. Yeah. And and you would know about these things that we should reconsider. So you're not speaking out of a vacuum. You're you're and you're not even speaking out of just your own personal ministry experience. Right. You're speaking out of the collective input over ten years now, more than ten years from hundreds and hundreds of pastors. Well, I think I'm actually into my 13th year of full-time coaching, Okay, you know, and uh, uh, as you know, and most of your re- uh, listeners know, I, I was a pastor for 30 years, and then I retired at the end of 2006 and launched Small Church Pastor, and I began to notice that that there were just a lot of things that, uh, Pat, that I was uh, talking to pastors about how they program, the things they do in their church, the way they think about ministry that either just wasn't working uh, or there were just other options that maybe they weren't even create uh, considering. And so that's where mm. this book came out of, which just a bunch of stuff that we need to think about again. Uh, it's not that I think pastors are getting it all wrong because they're not. I mean, you're right. I speak to every denominational pastor, independent churches, uh, female pastors, male pastors, you name them, I talk to them. And most of the men and women out there are doing a fantastic job in trying to lead people, especially during such a crazy time that we're living under right now with the pandemic. Yeah. And But it's just things that I, I want to throw out there. The book is filled with things I want to throw out there to pastors to just reconsider, rethink. Maybe there's a better way. Maybe there's a different way. Maybe you could tweak this just a little bit and find it more fulfilling and find it more effective. So that's where this book came out of. I kind of worked on it for about a year, and I think it's just been out for a couple weeks, Jeff. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I look forward to getting mine and to going through it. Uh, you, you could even do a hundred days, right? You could do a hundred days through that book yeah. and have something to think about literally every day for over three months. That's true. So that's true. That's, that's kind of cool. And decide what you want to share with your, with your church leaders and your church members. Yeah. Uh, Dave, we are, we are just a month into this, uh, COVID-19 crisis yeah. in the world right now. And yesterday was Easter Sunday, and I did my fifth Sunday of uh, online speaking uh, where we did not have people in the building. Right. And I, I realized this weekend that, you know, this was this was interesting and, no pun intended, novel yeah. for uh, the first two, maybe three weeks. But at this point, uh, I, I want, I want people, yeah. I want to be able to connect with people. And it's like, it's like the, the teacher who says, you know, school would be great if it weren't for the students. Right. Well, you know, that's not true. They know it. It's a joke. And pastors could say church would be great if it weren't for the people. Right. But that's not true either because the church is people and the school yeah. is all about the students. It is really and, weird to speak without a without faces staring at you. You know, we it we, is. we get it so is. much energy and feedback from our people when we're speaking to them, their expressions, if they're amening, if they're laughing, if they're nodding their heads. Now, you know, sometimes the feedback is negative. You know, they're dozing off to sleep or something like that. But <laughs> I never take offense. <laughs> but, <laughs> but usually non-public speakers don't understand the energy that comes off of a crowd that feeds us and motivates us. And when you're just not seeing that, it is different, isn't it? Well, and for me... That's that's a much smaller part of it for me. The larger part of it for me is that when the service ends, you f- basically the tech team flips the switch, everything goes down, yeah, and you're done. Yeah, it's like there's no people to talk to, there's no yeah. people to pray with, there's no people to you know you have you know you have your lobby counseling sometimes, yeah. uh, and then you're there for anywhere from forty to another forty to sixty minutes with people. Yeah. And that's the connection time. And so 
when I say amen and uh, the, the last thing happens and the credits roll, we literally have these credits yeah. that roll at the end of the service, uh, I'm standing there in the auditorium and there's maybe at the most a half a dozen of us uh, on different sides of the platform or wherever we are in the room. Right. And it's like, uh, hey, good, good, good job, guys. Uh, yeah. See you next week. Uh, Bye. We, <laughs> yeah, we're pretty much. That's it. So, so you have. It would be like. It would be like if you were. Uh, if you're on a baseball field and you're up to bat, and the pitcher pitches to you, but there's like a 15 foot fence from first to second <laughs> to third, and you you whack that ball and it goes over the fence, but you have no idea. Yeah. Where it landed, you don't know if it was a pop fly, if it was a home run. <laughs> right. I mean. You think you know because you could feel it, but once you, if you, after a while you do it more and more, yeah. and you start, you you lose touch with. Now, did that? Did that land? Did people understand yeah. that? Did I make? Did I make that point well? And there's like no, there's no way to to measure. It's it. just, it's just weird. The when I'm talking to pastors, I just got off the phone from an independent pastor. Uh, hasn't he wasn't independent? His church is independent, and uh, but it's in Indiana. <laughs> And, you know, every time I call up a pastor throughout the day, I usually, you know, if I haven't spoken to them since we've been on lockdown, my first mm -hmm. word is, isn't this weird? And they all say, yeah, it's totally weird. It's weird recording my, you know, doing a recorded video. It's weird doing the live stuff. You know, they just everybody's saying this is like really weird. We've never done this before no we haven't i mean we we've thankfully we've live streamed now for probably a year and a half yeah if not longer so so you that got wasn't that hard. down but but also typically when you're live streaming and many churches have been doing this you're speaking in front of a crowd you know That's so right. you're you've got that thing happening when now you don't and then think about pastors who've never streamed never pre-recorded and on top of that, um, their audience is maybe their kids trying to be quiet, sitting on the couch across from them, you know, mm -hmm. or an empty auditorium. It's just weird. Yeah. Yeah. And even for us, we had the tech in place, but we had to change a lot of the tech around. And then we had to change from speaking to a large room to speaking into the camera. Oh, so yeah. E even for us, we're s I'm still in my auditorium when I do it yeah. simply because for the technology reasons, it makes more sense to do that. Yeah. Um, but I'm looking straight. <clears throat> in fact, I'm, I'm at my daughter-in-law's house and she asked me, she said, uh, I forget how she asked it. She said, Oh, she said, are you, are you getting tired to preaching to empty seats? And I said, well, I really, I don't preach to empty seats. I, I preach to the camera, yeah, right into the camera. So I, it doesn't really matter that there, there are the seats there because, and that's not, <clears throat> even though we've, we've done online streaming, I've not preached into the camera yeah. before. It is. And that's where it, it gets a little hollow. Typically a whole, you know, different, you know, thing. I, I just finished reading um, this one book. Uh, oh, gosh. And I, I just promoted it on Facebook and I forgot its name. But it was uh, by Martin Luther King Jr. It was a series of sermons that he did. And they took the, the transcripts and they had him edit them for, to be in a book. And in the introduction to this, he said, that's really hard to do because we craft a sermon for listeners and people staring at us. We craft a book for readers. And they're right. two different right. things. And this is what's happening for many of our, well, all the pastors out there. They're crafting a sermon, and it's usually we have that audience. Now we don't. And that's why it feels so awkward. And, you know, I just wonder if it's just slightly uh, not as good, if you will, as when we're in our normal, familiar environment there's the people, whether they be 25 or 250, but they're giving us that feedback that that keeps us going, you know, while we're speaking. Yeah, no, I think I think you're absolutely right, and it's a, it's a very different way of speaking. I just watched I just watched yesterday. 
uh, some speeches from Martin Luther King Jr. Okay. And oh my goodness, you know, the, in person, the he he held them spellbound, you know, by his delivery yeah. and by his cadence and just the way he spoke was was truly inspiring. Yeah. And if you can't you can't get that out of a book if you haven't actually heard him. If you've heard him, then you can read it and hear it. Then you can hear but if, it. Yeah. Yeah, but if you've never heard him before, you'll never pick it up <laughs> uh, on the printed page. So, Dave, what what are some things that you've been hearing from pastors? What are, what are some of the frustrations? Let, let's start with that. What are just some of the common frustrations that pastors are having? Frustrations and maybe fears yeah. because of not just well, the online stuff, but just the everything, the economic yeah. impact and just the uncertainty. The, the most common frustration I'm hearing for, from pastors right now is, I'm not sure I'm doing enough. And yet when I ask them to tell me what they are doing as far as what does it look like to pastor at a time like this, when I ask them, what are you doing? Usually I think they're doing enough or Hmm. I think they're doing what I hear most all the other pastors are doing and that they kind of need to cut themselves some grace um, that, you know, there's only so much we can do at a time like this. We need to discover what that is, try to do it as well as we uh, can. Uh, You know, most pastors are really were, have struggled to put together an online sermon and and service. They're learning new technology. Maybe they never did it before. I I just got off this morning uh, with a pastor who in Michigan, who said, I'm putting in more hours now because of this video service then, and because I'm a perfectionist, than yeah. I've ever put in before. So they're wondering if they're doing enough. I just want to tell our listeners, I bet that if I was if I was talking on the phone to any of you listening in today, that you tell me what you're doing. And I bet you, I'd say, that sounds like enough for now. You know, you're, you're trying to maintain various contact with your people. You're trying to be an encouragement. You're praying for your people. You're making yourself available. You're putting together a Sunday service. That's enough. And to remind yourself that it's not always going to be this way. Now, we don't know how long we're going to be locked down, but eventually we're going to be released from these restrictions. This is a temporary thing that you're trying to navigate, and you are trying to navigate. None of us know how to do this. We're learning as we go. We're trying to see what other people are doing. But it's just a few things that you've got to do really well. So I'm hearing pastors frustrated, you know, with with that. So, Dave, let me just speak to that just for a second. I, I would say to pastors that if you feel like you are doing enough, there's something wrong with you. Yeah. And the the reason is until we can sit with somebody and hold their hand and pray with them, and you know, until we can shake somebody's hand and look them in the eye and give them encouragement, yeah. uh, inst- until we can connect with real people, it's, it's not going to be enough. But Dave, you said something very important. You said for now. For now. For now. Yeah. It is enough for now. But, but the very nature of ministry, if you are withheld from people, you'll never be able to do enough. Yeah. So it is the that feeling, touch, isn't it? It's yeah, looking into the, the, the feeling is eye. natural. Yeah. It, you know, I tell pastors, you know, cause many of them are saying, Hey, uh, zoom's working out pretty good. Uh, Facebook live is working out pretty good pre-recording. And I'm saying, yeah, you know, those things are working really good. They're a close second. I mean, I don't exactly. think that the technology yeah. that we're using right now is like, well, you know, it's it's not the real thing, but I guess it's the best we can do. No, it's really good, but it's a close second. We want to get back to that that number one thing when we're looking at people, we're laying hands on people, we're shaking hands, we're, we've got our hand on their shoulder, and, and we're praying for them. But meanwhile, temporarily, this is the best we can do, and it's pretty good what we're doing. It's getting us through it. Yeah, and not it's not only not only is it the public part of it or the lobby 
you know, pre and post service yeah. that's missing. It's also we can't visit people in the hospital. We can't visit uh-huh. our older people who are shut-ins. Uh-uh. We can't visit nursing home. I mean, these are the things. These are the people that you know God calls special people to. And a lot of those special people are pastor, and a lot of those special people are you know they're pastors, but they're also church members who do this uh, in churches. Yeah. And when when you can't do that, you should feel like you're not doing enough. But but again, Dave, for now, it's just for now, yes. and we got to do what we can do for now. Yes, and yes, yeah. So I agree with you, pastors. Uh, get, give, give yourself a break. Uh, this is some. This is the hundred and first thing you should reconsider. What is enough <laughs> in so the good. time of COVID? So yeah, yeah. What? So what else, Dave? Um, what I hear pastors afraid about. They're af- the the number one thing is they're afraid about money, and I do not fault them for that at all. Um, trying to get some churches to be comfortable with online giving and even mailing their checks in is a a bigger challenge for some than for others. I have been hearing some unusual stories of pastors saying, my giving is actually up, but the vast Mm -hmm. majority that I'm hearing is giving is way down. And um, some of that is because a lot of their people are just out of work. It's not a matter of yes. they're just flaky about sending in their their offering, but mm-hmm. so many of the smaller churches, you know, they're they're kind of financially staying afloat from one offering to the next. I know some churches that were able to have reserves so that they could get through this time, but I don't think that's the real world of a smaller church. I think yeah. most smaller churches they're kind of getting by offering to offering. And or or it's even worse than that. And so now where when the offerings are dropping, I've heard up to a 50 percent drop in some churches. Mm-hmm. The, the pastors are worried about uh, about money. Can we stay afloat? Am I going to lose uh, my paycheck? Am I going to have to take a cut in pay? And then I hear pastors a little not so much. I mean, every time I talk to a pastor, I say, how you doing with the coronavirus? You guys safe? you healthy, all this kind of stuff. How, how Are you worried? What are you worried about? Most pastors are more worried about the long-term uh, economic downturn than they are about us coming out of the pandemic. Most of us realize yeah. we're going to get out of the pandemic much sooner than, than we recover financially, than our people who are out of work find work again. And so pastors, uh, they're worried about finances. I totally understand that. Uh, The second thing is, uh, and this is sometimes hard to get pastors to admit, they're worried that maybe their people are going to get used to not coming on Sunday and they're they're not going to come back. Yeah. You know. Yep. I I hear that. I thought about that the very first week. That occurred to me the very first week. And I I said to one of my staff members, I said, you know what? This uh, This might thin out the herd. This might weed out the people who realize, you know what, I really wasn't getting much out of church anyway. Yeah. And that what it's going to do, though, pastors, this says way more about the people that were sitting in your there church you than it does about you. There you it go. says nothing about you, actually. It says yeah. nothing about you. And everything about it's, it's a time to take the temperature of people's hearts. And those who were just doing it because it's a cultural thing that they were doing, they may decide that their new culture they like better, and that's okay. Yeah, that's okay because the the opportunities afforded by this whole situation uh, give us uh, opportunities to reach more people, and that will continue to be the case for quite some time. Right. I I've been thinking a lot about you know, uh, and you and I have talked a little bit about what we might see when we come out of this. Now, personally, I don't think we're going to be dealing a lot with people who are involved in our church now deciding not to come anymore. I, that, I'm right, kind of hearing right. that in what you've just said, that if, if we have those kind of people sitting in our church, they're really not with us anyways. And, and right, pop, exactly. pop, probably at some point they're going to leave for some reason. But I think that people um, are going to be excited about coming back into face-to-face fellowship. Um, and who knows? This, I mean, I'm hearing of churches out there that they're, 
uh, because of their online services, they're praying and, and winning people to Jesus. Um, I don't know if I'm just overly optimistic, but I think that um, we could actually see some good things come from this time, that we might see a, a boost in our attendance and commitment. Um, I think it's certainly possible. I mean, if we're gonna if we're gonna entertain the idea that maybe this might not go well for us in the long run from a standpoint of attendance, why not at least also entertain the idea? What if it What if it resulted in something, you know, good? Historically, the the church has always done well. Historically, um, you know, we've seen God use national disasters and crisis to draw people to the Lord. Um, this is certainly that. Uh, and um, I think it's going to be interesting to see um, what good comes from this. I, I'm always reluctant to say what good because people are dying. People are suffering. Yeah, people right. are out of work. People are afraid and scared. So I don't want to say, well, this will have a silver lining and, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be okay because it's already not okay. You know, we can't go back and make something not okay, suddenly okay. But it makes me wonder, Jeff, you know, what might come out of this, things that we've learned, things that we've been forced to adjust to and do that, that, we might, that might go with us into the future, resulting in the church being maybe in a better place, more healthy, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I think I think that a lot of things are going to change because of this and what we do, how we respond to it is going to uh is going to determine, you know, whether things change for the better for us or whether we focus on on the negative. I, I, even on my staff yeah. now trying to work remotely, we're learning things about each other that we didn't know before. You know, we're forced into some uh, some encouraging things, and then some uh, uh, conflict situations yeah. where we have to say, okay, you know, well, this was my expectation. Did I not communicate it well? That's not just me, but all of us. You know, we all have expectations of each other that may or may not uh, be fulfilled or met, and then we have to talk about that. We have to communicate about that. Have and those then, expectations come out because we can't meet face-to-face, -face, or these were expectations that were pre-existent but came out in the light, for some reason, by doing Zoom or being over the phone. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think probably the, the latter. You know, the, some, some of the things maybe that you were able to overlook and not deal with, get by without dealing with, these just kind of highlight ah, some of those okay. some of those differences because everybody's under a little bit more stress. Yes, everybody's a little bit more preoccupied. There's a higher level of uncertainty, so you you've just got less of an ability to put up with things than you did before, and and probably that's not a bad thing because it forces you as as Pat Lencioni says in his uh, book on the five dysfunctions of a team. Yeah. Uh, that that healthy conflict, you know, you need to have healthy conflict, and this is this is going to bring up conflict in mm -hmm. all kinds of different levels. But we just have to we just have to steward it, uh, attend to it, so that it's healthy conflict and not yeah. shy away from it. You know, to step yeah. right in that and 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 in terms of the giving, you talked about giving and finances earlier. I yeah. would say. Uh, to pastors, now is a great opportunity for you to really sincerely challenge your folks to be givers and to be recurring weekly or monthly or uh, every other week yeah. givers by by going to their bank and setting up that draft so that so that their giving can be regular. Now I understand some people are are missing out right. because they're they've lost a loss of a job. Right. Uh, thankfully for our people, there's you know an increased uh, availability of unemployment uh, compensation and things like that. Uh, there's a lot of that going out, yeah. which uh, we're all I think very thankful for for everybody. Yeah. But but this is an opportunity to challenge people because. The church always lags behind the culture in so many ways, and one of the ways is this regular giving. Uh, we're still passing these 
these baskets. Yep. Now, the very last Sunday that we were going to pass a basket was the first Sunday that we actually didn't have church. Okay. Um, in fact, in fact, that in fact that was going to be the first Sunday that we didn't pass a basket. We were going to put the baskets in the back. They could drop it in on their way in, and that way they didn't have to hang, you know, handle them and pass their germs all the way on down the yes. down the row. Yeah. And that was that first Sunday that we were going to do that. We actually we didn't have church, so I told I told our staff. We're, we're not, you can get rid of those offering baskets. We're never going to pass an offering basket again. Yeah. We're going to have boxes in the back of the church and, and people are going to have to initiate that giving themselves yeah. and they can initiate it online or they can initiate it through the mail or they can initiate it through putting something in a box. I think if every church did that and really encouraged our people, Hey, are you committed to what we're doing here? Are you committed to our ministry and, and let them know that you do it this way, you know, <laughs> uh, Hey, I show my commitment through regular online giving. And I believe that I, I want to give you that opportunity as well. Really push that right now because yeah. ultimately, you know, that, you know, this, if your people give regularly, they will be blessed because of it. Right. And whether God adds another dollar or another dime to their checking account isn't the, isn't the issue. It's, you know, people who are generous and who are givers, they're just blessed. They're, and they're blessed in any number of ways. And God promises that over and over in his word. Without getting into prosperity yeah, stuff, yeah. we just know generosity is a, is a great biblical quality. Right. It's, and it's a godly quality. So now is a time to really encourage your people. And I think that long-term giving can go up and be less sporadic if all of our people adopted and initiated their own regular giving. Yeah. And hey, challenge people who don't give at all. Hey, if you don't give or if you've taken a reduction, reduce the percentage of what you give. Sure. You know, give give five percent or give two percent right now. But but keep giving and keep maintaining yeah. regular giving to the Lord and you're gonna be blessed because of it. I I I wish I had the the study in front of me here to cite, but take my word for it. You know, I would never lie. And uh, but oh, what never, I read Dave. is that churches that successfully uh, convince a large percentage of their givers to go to online giving see an actual increase in giving. I think I I said a minimum of thirteen percent, and then if they can convince their people to have it be a reoccurring uh, payment that that they don't ever have to really think about in a, in a sense, uh, then giving gives up, uh, goes up even more. And, oh, you I, know, and I mean, I've, I've read this, that it's true. I'm also telling pastors who are saying, man, we've really been hit hard. Giving is way down. I'll ask them, uh, have you been talking to your people about this? And oftentimes they say no, you know, and I'll say, why not? And they say, well, because I, I just don't want, you know, to, you know, you know how everybody thinks that church is all they want is your money. And I say, yeah, I've heard that, but I don't know that it's really true, that that's what people are, are thinking. I, I, I think that our people are not as uncomfortable with us talking about money as we think they are. See, what happens is that we've got people out there that watch certain online ministries that are very heavy handed in asking for money. And so people watch these shows and then we'll hear them say, pastors, all pastors want is my money, when really they got that idea from some, not all, but some of the ministries on TV. So we hear the people accuse pastors of that. We get all uptight and worried about talking about money. So we're, un, you know, so we're reluctant to do so. Now, we don't want to talk too much about money. We don't want to be pushy. We don't want to become, you know, a jerk about the whole thing. But I think, depending upon how we talk about money, that um, we're, we don't have a lot to worry about. And I'm telling pastors, if your church is in a bad place financially because of that, you got to tell them. And you just oh, have yeah. to say, yeah. hey, you know, just because we're meeting, uh, we're not meeting face to face, doesn't mean that the church does not still have financial obligations. I need you to either mail in your check or go to online giving. And while you're setting up online giving, let me encourage you just to plug it in as a reoccurring, uh, uh, you know, deposit into the church. Then you don't have to think about it and remember it. 
and, you know, okay, we'll get through this, but we need your help. Now, you know, I just almost gave a script right there that a pastor could use. I bet you none of you listening today thought that that sounded heavy handed. And it wasn't. It was just honest. You know, we've got financial obligations and right now giving is down. So I agree, Jeff, we just need to I think we're uncomfortable about talking about money because we don't talk about money that often. So it stands out. I, I think if we talk about money more often, it won't feel awkward when we really do need to talk about money. Well, if you've if you've passed, if you've actually not talked about it yet, then then you've got a real opportunity to say to your folks, you know, I'm really sorry. I I, I have neglected to share with you how Very you good. can continue to give. And I know that you want to be blessed by God, and I want you to be blessed by God. And you can give, uh, you know, we, we now have that set up. You can give online or, you know, here's the, here's the like at our church, we had to say, you know, if you're going to mail it, you know, don't mail it to our street address. Here's our P.O. box, Very good. which you probably didn't know that we have. And apologize to them. If you haven't spoken to them about it yet, say, you know, I'm really sorry. Giving is such an important part of worship, and I neglected to give you information on how to give, and so here it is. And what we found was the first three Sundays uh, in in March, the last three Sundays of March were the three Sundays that we uh, that we did not uh, uh, meet together. Right. Uh, our giving went down, but okay. once people realized, okay, this is this is happening for a while here. The first two Sundays in April, uh, a lot uh, more came in. They were very strong, and some of them. We had envelopes with two and three uh, tithe checks yeah. in them that people they had written, but they just didn't do anything with, uh-huh. and and we didn't talk a lot about it, to be honest with you. Not and, and I didn't at first on purpose because I I certainly didn't want people to think, oh, this is the first thing we're thinking of. Yeah. Uh, instead, the first thing we thought of was how do we connect? How do we uh, talk with each other? Very you know, good. How could we continue to worship together? Uh, and how to share prayer requests, and then, oh yeah, I'm really sorry, but giving is such a big part of worship. Here's how you can do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I do think too, David. Long term, small churches have a great opportunity here to see their giving increase long term because what was really hard to do two months ago in a small church get people to give online. Now it's like, oh, they. They understand it, of yeah. course. Oh, thank, thanks, Pastor. Yeah, uh, this is great. Oh, and this is a lot easier too. And oh, yeah, we wouldn't, we won't offend visitors by passing an offering plate and expecting them to give. Yeah, yeah, this is really, this is a good idea, Pastor. I'm glad you thought of it. Yeah, I think, I think <laughs> so. there's a very real potential for that adjustment, that different way of thinking about giving, from the standpoint of our people. I think there's a, a very real possibility that we might see that happen. You know. Oh, I think so. Um, uh, I think so. You know. Our regular online giving now has more more than doubled yeah. for people giving online, which we didn't have a ton giving online, so that's not saying that everybody is, because like our older folks, they're mailing the checks in, right. um, which honestly is going to save us 2%. Yeah. Right? They mail their check in. Yeah. We're actually getting 2% because when you do the online giving, you've got to give that little bit of a feedback. That's right. Uh, but, but you're going to more but, than make up for that in increased and steady giving. Increased giving. It's, it's exactly. worth the 2%. It know. is. Um, it is. You know. So so now, Dave, Dave, what what are you hearing that pastors are learning? They're, is there anything that they've been excited about because of the situation? Any opportunities that they see in front of them? Yeah, I, I am seeing some, uh, see some very real opportunities with technology and things like Zoom meetings. I had one pastor say we had an online prayer meeting on Zoom, and it was far better attended than when we've asked people to meet at someone's home or come down to the church. I had another pastor say that he had an elder's... This happened like, I think, week, week two of the lockdown. He goes, you know, I had an online Zoom meeting of my elders and deacons, And I've never had as many of them show up as they did for this one. He said to me then, I'm entertaining the idea of having more meetings and business meetings and prayer meetings using something like Zoom. And he said, I would have never considered that before. And I said, I think that's a great idea. Uh, You know, I don't think we're ever going to get rid 
of having people actually meet in someone's home or down at the church in a Sunday school room or something like that. But he said to me, you know, if we've got some people that would like to do a Zoom small group in the future, I think I'd be really open to that. And I said, I think it's a great idea. We're not asking people to find a babysitter. We're not asking people to drive. They can just tune in and it can be a meaningful thing. So I'm, I'm hearing some people, uh, some pastors saying, wow, uh, maybe we could continue to use certain aspects of this technology to enhance and expand our ministry. Um, I'm hearing some pastors, uh, some pastors are just saying it's kind of funny. They're, they're saying, you know, there's things that we've stopped doing that, like, I always wish we would stop doing, but, <laughs> but I couldn't know how to pull that off, and now we're not doing yep. it. And so I think when we start back up again, I'm just not going to bring it up and, and, and see if, if nobody, you know, brings that thing, you know, uh, up again. So I, I think there might be things that we've stopped doing that maybe we're going to say, boy, that didn't really seem to be as important as we always thought it was. Right. You right. Know? I agree. I wonder also about the increased contact that people are having with one another. I am hearing that, you know, some churches I've divided up the church and given each deacon or each elder, you know, 10 families or 10 individuals uh, and they're calling. I'm hearing that my uh, department heads or small group leaders are having an increased contact in between uh, their meetings with people. And I think we have uh, that potential that somehow uh, communication might be enhanced in our churches and people having contact with one another, um, you know, after we're able to kind of go back and have more normal meetings. I, I see that as a, as a big uh, potential. And then I, I wonder if some of the churches that have really been trying to be a blessing to their community, uh, giving more to food banks, um, uh, you know, doing, I've heard of like, a, you know, Facebook calls into retirement communities and into, mm. you know, uh, doing that kind of stuff. I, I think right now there are some ways in which the church is giving the unchurched a bad, uh, they're, they're getting, a, the, the unchurched people have a, a bad taste in their mouth about some things churches are doing. But I think also that I'm hearing some things that churches are doing that is proving uh, to impress people and to get their intention. Hopefully those kind of things we can continue to do and have a good, you know, witness in the in the community. What are some things that come to your mind, Jeff, about, you know, what what are some positive things we've learned that we might carry on into the future? Well, you you gave a pretty good list there, Dave, and I, I agree with every one of those. Some some sacred cows are just going to starve to death, and we don't have to feed them. Yeah, you know, I think I think that's awesome. We we actually had the school call our church and say, hey, well, actually, one of our people offered and said, hey, how can we help? They said, well, here's how you can help. Yeah, uh, we normally give the kids uh, two meals when they leave on Fridays, so that they have. Uh, a bagged meal for each for Saturday and Sunday for okay. kids that are, you know, they're, they're not getting as much food and we, we can't do that right now. And we opened it up for, for parents to come and pick up food, but we just had like a handful that took advantage of it because, you know, it's a situation where they just don't, they just don't get there yeah. for various reasons we don't need to get into. But they said, if you could help us deliver food once a week oh my to these kids, we want to deliver on Thursdays. So we took our two church vans that have our, the name of our church on them. We took them over to one of the schools where they, where they uh, coordinate all the food, uh, uh, providing food, and, and we filled them up, and we drove them around Thursday afternoon which I thought, you know, an hour or two, right. maybe three and a half hours were driving around town oh trying to hit all these addresses and giving all this food away. And it's not it's not from the school, but it's officials from the school utilizing the food bank to give their kids the nutrition they need for the weekend. 
asking the church to help. Wow. And so what it looks like to the community is that our church vans are going around and we're dropping off food to people. Yeah. Uh, which that that's a pot. I mean, that's the kind of an image that you want to have. Yeah. And uh, rather than rather than on a weekend, them driving by your, your property is seeing that it, the, there's cars in the lot. And why are those people still meeting? Why are they continuing to pass the virus around in our community? Yeah. Right. That's, that's a, that's a bad one. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, I, yeah, I just think that there's, I thought from the get go that, uh, you know, whenever there's a tragedy, whenever there's a suffering, a trial, you know, James one talks about this, you mm-hmm. know, uh, that there's going to be redemptive, uh, reality behind it. God is yes, going to use yes. it. Yes. For something. And yeah. like you said earlier, people are dying and they are losing their jobs. And, and it really is the, the valley of the shadow of death in, for so many families. Yeah. But it also says there in Psalm 23, but you're with me. You're uh-huh. with me. You, uh-huh. God walks with us through it. And his rod and his staff, they, they comfort us, they strengthen yeah. us, they encourage us. Right. Uh, so, you know, if there, if there were ever a time when, when pastors need to speak uh, gospel, need to speak life and good news uh, into people and need to speak redemptively. And if there were ever a time when they have to be honest and not weird and say, hey, we're not going to meet. If it if there's an opportunity for people to get this virus or to get hurt uh, or injured, uh, we're not going to meet. And that's okay. Yeah, we don't need to meet to be believers. Yeah, uh, we're believers for other reasons, but yeah. but it is. It's it's for a season, and then it'll it'll change. Right, and and nobody's considering not going back meeting. You know, some are afraid. You know, well, I don't want to diminish how important it is for us to meet. Forsake not the gathering together, as is the habit of some. And it's kind of like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. we're all aware of that verse. We're not thinking about forsaking it. We're thinking about temporarily, how could we best serve our people? Temporarily, how could we best serve our uh, our community? Uh, somebody once said, as Easter was approaching, maybe the best way that we could honor Jesus on Resurrection Sunday would be for the church buildings to be empty, you know, as, as a sign of just, you know, we care about our neighbors. Whatever we're doing yeah. during this time, that communicates to our town or our city that we care about you, we're going to benefit from that down the road. Plus, we're going to benefit because it just reflects the values of of Jesus. And so a question that I want to ask all of the men and women listening today, this is a question that I'm asking all the pastors that I talk to throughout the week. I want to I encourage them to dream about when this is all over, not going back the way things were. You know, a lot of people, the attitude is, I just can't wait till we get through this and we can go back to normal. My prayer is that when we go back to normal, it won't be normal anymore. And I mean that in a good way. I'm asking pastors, and and once again, those of you who are listening, you know, dream and, and speculate about what are some of the good adjustments that you've been experiencing that you might want to carry forward to you? Uh, What are the good things that are happening on my small church pastor group page on Facebook? I think it was two days ago. One of the members, uh, gosh, you know, that group has grown to 5,300 members now. It's crazy, crazy, Dave. (laughs) And, um, And, you know, one of them said, hey, let's share about some of the good things that are going on in our church that's working really well that we're hoping we could still do when we get over this thing. And I thought, what a great question that is. Yeah. So can you imagine if you sit down with your spouse or your leaders and you just sat there and talked about what might we want to keep doing that we started doing because of the pandemic? What are we learning from this? How could the church actually end up being a little further down the road, a little more effective, a little more of what the church is supposed to be? What might we, what are the opportunities that we have because of this? Because I liked what you said, Jeff, you know, God 
is, is a redeeming God. Now, this is just my opinion. And uh, if people who are listening disagree with me, I totally understand that and respect it. But personally, I don't believe that God sent this virus. I don't believe that this is a sign of God's judgment uh, upon uh, the world. I believe that stuff like this happens. I'm more amazed that we haven't had something like this happen before this. I think it just bad stuff happens in the world. It's a broken, fallen world. There's disease and there's stuff because we're this side of heaven, you know, and a lot of bad stuff happens. I think, though, exactly what you said, you know, Jeff, is that God can redeem anything. Isn't this central to the gospel message? Jesus came to redeem sinful man. God is in the redeeming business. And so what I just find interesting is what ways might we be able to imagine God redeeming this when we come out of it? Not how quick can we go back to doing things the way we always did? Because yes. then we're yeah. it's then we've gone through this for nothing, you know. During times, any time of suffering, you can go, th- especially suffering that you've had no control over. Okay, it's just it's come upon you, like mm-hmm. the coronavirus. We can suffer and learn from it, or we can suffer and not learn from it. That's our choice. Either way, we've got to suffer. We might as well get something from it and carry it into the future. And yeah. this would just be such a great question for uh, the pastors listening to us today. Such a great question to talk to their spouse, talk to their leaders, talk to their boards, and, and just dream about how we've had to change and how and what part of that do we want to hold on to. I think the potential for some great things is great for the church. I like it, Dave. I like it. And I, and I would just, I would add that pastors be sensitive to the healthcare workers uh, in yeah. your circle, uh-huh. whether they're in your church or you know them, you're connected to them in your community. Uh, it, it's, it wouldn't be a bad thing to, to drop off some, some pizzas or some donuts yeah. or have them delivered to your local hospital emergency room. Uh, and then, and then be sensitive to the people that your church is connected to who've just lost their jobs and who are struggling, or maybe, uh, maybe they're, they've got a lot of kids in their home. Uh, they're not working as well. They're just under a lot of stress and strain. And if your church is in the position where you could help, uh, financially, you know, that, that'd be an yeah. awesome thing. And even a if lot of churches small, are, even if it's small, yes. you, you don't, if you're in a small church, you probably don't have a lot of resources, but sometimes given a mom who's a single mom and was a waitress and relying on, you know, minimal wage and tips. And now she's getting unemployment and doesn't know if she's going to have her job anymore. Sometimes that mom just getting a check for 50 bucks or a couple bags of yes. groceries means so much to that person in need. Yeah. Yeah. So keep keep your eyes out yes, for those yes, kinds yes. of opportunities. And and you know, you might be in a smaller town. There may be one restaurant uh that's only doing takeout. Yeah. You know, get on get on Facebook and I, I did this recently and I, I proclaimed it uh La Cabana Mexican restaurant. Okay. Day. And I said, I'm getting lunch from there today and I invite you to join me. Uh, you know, join me in stopping and picking up your lunch. And, and I think or, they probably got an extra 10 uh, people ordering their see, lunch. That's, that's so good. Or even day. buying gift certificates from local restaurants. Oh, true. I didn't even think and, of that. And so yeah, they get the money awesome. now, and then you benefit from it, you know, later. Oh, um, that's right. You know. That's right. My gosh. Good. Well, Dave, um, your book yeah. is... Uh, is a hundred days to rediscover God. Let's see. What's no, the name? No, What's get the, the title, title right again? <laughs> Second thoughts. Uh, One hundred things every small church pastor should reconsider. Yes. 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 All right. I'm excited about it. You can find it on Amazon. We also have a Kindle version of it if you're using an electronic uh, reader. I think some people that don't have Kindles they realize that you can get the Kindle app for your PC 
or you know oh, any yeah. really laptop you have and it interfaces just like a Kindle so in fact uh, I use I use my Kindle I use my laptop to access my Kindle books more than an actual yeah. Kindle yeah I really do because I usually use them for study and for research and things like that and I just don't I mean I have a Kindle it's a Kindle Fire yeah and it's one of those that's got all kinds of you know craziness on it and then I've got an older Kindle that's one of those like paper yeah white paper like Kindles but I just I just do it on my laptop because my laptop is open yeah absolutely so so Dave uh, you are at smallchurchpastor.com you you coach and consult with churches right. and with pastors uh, you are you are very affordable uh, I'll say that and uh, you've been doing this now for probably about as long as anybody has yeah. done yeah. pastoral coaching uh, and and you are the premier coach for pastors of smaller churches so <laughs> well I hope so I'd like to put that, that out there you know? and yeah you could find out everything about uh, what I do and answer a lot of your questions uh, by just going to smallchurchpastor.com or you can email me direct at scpcoaching at gmail.com. That's SCP for small church pastor, scpcoaching at gmail. If you have any questions about coaching, consulting, or just want to communicate to me, feel free. That's awesome. Dave, thanks for joining us today. I appreciate it. Great to be on the show, and I'm looking forward to next time. Stay inside, wash your hands, be safe. We will get through this. Jeff, I don't I don't have the book in front of me. You have the book in front of you. Um, but just the table of contents is making me feel so under conviction that I can hardly stand it. Okay. So the one that jumped out to me right away was number five, reconsider preacher versus pastor. And his first line is being a preacher is easy. Being a pastor is hard. Ooh, um, that is a good say, one for you. I would say <laughs> it is a good one for me because I love preaching and it comes pretty easy to me, but I am called to be a pastor. And that's kind of what Dave gets into here, right? Like um, you need to realize that you are not a preacher. You are a pastor. And it's funny because I was um, talking to my wife about a, a church, an important figure goes to, and the church is very, very large. And I said, man, I can't even imagine being that person's pastor, this important person. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I, I kind of stopped and I looked at my wife and I said, actually, come to think of it, that person, that their pastor isn't their pastor anyway. Like when you're a pastor of a church that large, you're nobody's pastor. Congratulations. Like maybe your staff, yeah, right. but like that's yeah. it. I mean, there's too many people. Uh, you probably are the preacher and the CEO. But for small church pastors, which is who Dave is talking to and who we're talking to, um, you're not the preacher. You're the pastor. And you happen to preach. Hopefully you do a decent job at it. But primarily your job is to be people's pastor. Uh, and that's a good reminder for me, Jeff. Which one jumped out at you? Do you remember when we talked to the past, the small church pastor of Jimmy Carter's church? Yeah, that was wild. President Carter's church. Yeah, so it made me think of that when you said it. Well, I saw one. I thought you were going to say this is the one that really convicted you. It's actually number 42. Reconsider how truthful you are. <laughs> Give me the so clips thought, notes on this one, please. I, I thought, or, or maybe number 30. Reconsider how stupid you've been. Oh, now that one is definitely true for me. <laughs> I want to hear how truthful you are. Are you supposed to be more truthful or less truthful? I wonder. I I I, I don't know. I can't I can't divulge this. Right. No, the two that jumped out at me as well, Johnny, and those are actual those are actual chapters. I'm not joking. They're actual <laughs> chapters. But the two that really jumped out at me that I haven't looked at yet. I've only looked at about twenty number. Number 34, reconsider your martyrdom. Reconsider and, uh, your martyrdom, okay. you got to reconsider it. I, I, see, I don't think, I think you can only consider martyrdom, but I don't, <laughs> I think by nature of it, you can't reconsider it's, it. That ship has sailed, yeah. And then, and then I want to know what number 87 is. Reconsider excommunication. I hope that he's saying, bring it back. It's time to bring excommunication <laughs> back. I don't know. I don't think he's saying that, Johnny. But but then again, you know, maybe he's maybe he's pushing excommunication and martyrdom. Maybe. So the book is Second Thoughts: A Hundred Things Small Church Pastors Need to Re 
consider. You can get it on Amazon. Uh, I, I ordered it literally when Dave and I had this conversation. I didn't have the book yet, and as we were saying hello, I went to the Amazon site and I pre-ordered it. There you go. And then I got it. I got it as the day that it came out. It's so out now, baby. There, it's ready to rock. That was for fun. You. you know, this is Dave's. Uh, I think it's his fourth book. I think it's his best book, and the feel of it is really good. It's a it's a larger book, and it's over two hundred pages. Wow! And it, it feels like a very substantive um, work. That's good. Actually. It reminds me of some of the books they would have us buy when we were in seminary together, Johnny. Sure. You know, back in the 2010s. The, tw- <laughs> the good old days. Yes. Those halcyon days of uh, seminary. Yes, we, we walked together, Johnny, back in 2014. We did. Oh, like walked, like graduated, you mean? We, we graduated together. That feels like they one gave us million years ago. <laughs> Doesn't it? But it seems like yesterday, too. I had, but uh, they gave they gave us hoods. They did. They did give us. Yeah, we got the hoods. That's we got I've, hooded. I've never felt more important than I felt that day. So, <laughs> I need to I need to go back to that time in my life. I, I felt smart. I felt I felt powerful. These days, I don't feel much of those things. So, I'd like did, to go did, back. Did you feel more important then than your first day as my associate pastor? Actually, that I did feel pretty important that day. The day that yeah, I saw pretty the heady, pretty heady stuff on the door. Yeah, it was actually. Yeah, I remember. I remember the first paycheck. I took a picture of it. That name uh, plate, by the way, Johnny. Should you yeah. ever care to embrace it again? It is here in the two hundred churches. You studio. have it there. I have it. It says, <laughs> it says, jo- it says Johnny Craig, associate pastor. On associate it. pastor. You always treated me so well. You could have called me Johnny Craig. Schmuck. Of, sh- sh- yeah, schmuck pastor. <laughs> Johnny Craig, director of stuff. You could have. Oh, I'd have man. still run over there. I'd have still worked for you. You're so kind. This is this is so fun, me ripping on you in love and you taking it <laughs> just so graciously. Friendship. We haven't we haven't done this in a while, Johnny. So good. Good to be back behind the microphone with you. Very Absolutely. good. Absolutely. Yep. I was about to say, well, thanks to our listeners for sticking with us through thick and thin. I think every podcast in America is is taking a dip in listening as people are so tired of living a digital existence. But you are listening to this right now. Uh, and we're grateful for you. We're grateful uh, that you're part of our community, that you're part of our lives. Um, we, we don't make a single dime off you, but we love you just the same. So thank you for listening. Uh, And we hope that this has been a blessing for you today on the 200 Churches podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and inspired by this episode of the 200 Churches podcast. If you haven't already, subscribe at 200churches.com. And to access every one of our hundreds of past episodes, go to 200churches.com slash podcast. You can count on us to be back next Wednesday with yet another brand new awesome episode recorded and edited specifically for small church pastors just like you. So until next week, may God bless you as you lead and love the people in your 200 church.